Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. You can find the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. Listeners, wow! Whether you are a first-timer, have listened to a bunch, or are a week-in and week-out regular listener, this is an exciting time. The milestone 200th episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. Thank you ever so much for listening. I can't say enough how much it means to me, anybody and everybody who listens. I'm thrilled to arrive at this point in the show's well over three and a half years of releasing a new episode every week. Let me know what you think of this episode or write in with favorite episodes, things you like about Now Hear This Entertainment, things you don't like. What am I doing well that you want me to keep doing? What am I doing that you want me to stop doing? The email address is podcast at nhte.net and I will give that out again in this episode so you can send in. Now let's get on with Milestone Episode 200. Joining me on location here in Tampa, Florida, my guest appears regularly on stages around the country doing stand-up comedy. He has appeared on shows ranging from Jimmy Kimmel to Howard Stern. He has released CDs, DVDs, and has a book due out in February called Everybody is Awful, Except You. He hosts a great podcast called Comedy Metal Midgets. He was a host on That Metal Show on VH1. This intro could go on and on. Let's, let's just cut to the chase and welcome as the featured guest on the Milestone 200th episode of NHTE, Jim Florentine. What's going on? Yeah, it sounds like I did a lot of stuff, but... <laughs> you have. I don't know. Yeah, you know, if you hang around long enough, you know... There you go. Some, some, some stuff comes up. Well, uh, many thanks for taking time out to do this with me. Really appreciate Absolutely, it. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, this is exciting for me personally. Yours is one of the podcasts that... I listen to with regularity. I've seen you perform live. Uh, I was a big fan of Crank Inkers. And of course, since Now Here This Entertainment has musical guests on it regularly, I have to mention that metal show. What a, what a great run you had on that show. Yeah. We had, um, you know, like 130 episodes, wow. seven, eight years. So, yeah, it was definitely a good run. You know, um, you know, look, you know, when you get a TV gig in this business, you're, oh, it's almost like you're a football coach. You get the job, you know, one day you're going to get fired. One day it's going to end. One day it's going to end badly, or you're going to get fired. You just enjoy the ride. So every every season that we got picked up, or every year we did it again, I'm like, man, all right, cool. Now wow. we're doing it again. Nice. Again. All right. You know, eventually. So I've been on shows before. They've gotten canceled. So you just know, it's, you know, at some point it's going to end. But, yeah, it was fun while we did it. So was that metal show, was that kind of a, a one-year business? Like you like you know you're on for this year, but... Yeah, they, yeah, they don't let you know. It's like, you know, season to season. They can cancel at any time. Wow. Yeah, wow. so, you know, you're always on edge. You're just like, all right, I guess... Uh, it only took us like two weeks out of the year to film it, to do like 12 or 14 episodes. Uh, okay. We do like two a day in a two-week period. So And the rest of the time where I was out torn doing stand-up, so it didn't take up too much of our time. Yeah. You know. Well, I have to ask, I've made it no secret on this podcast that my all-time favorite band is Rush. So are they done? Are we going to get one more recording out of them? Are we going to get some concerts? Or is, is I mean, we hear Getty and Alex talk from time to time that it sounds like they're not done, but we know Neil is. What do you think? Um, I don't know. You know, I mean, 
maybe they could do something in like Vegas, you know, like a, you know, like a three or four, you know, like a week run yeah. there or something like that. Yeah. A residency there, so they're not traveling. And did you have them on that metal show? Yeah, well, Neil Getty. never came on, yeah. but uh, Getty and uh, Alex both did. Yeah, both came on. They were really nice guys, you know. But you know, the drummer takes the the, the beating back there, yeah. and the way Neil still plays, you know, he's just like, look, I physically I just can't do it anymore. You yeah, know, they do like yeah. you know what two and a half hour show. Yeah, sometimes three hours. So that's a lot. Hopefully, they'll do a you know a couple off shows, one off shows somewhere. You know, maybe a couple in L.A., a couple in New York. Yeah, Toronto probably, since that's where they're Yeah, from. something like that. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure they'll do that. Well, before we get to the new book that you have coming out, we're just about at the one-year mark since the release of A Simple Man, which listeners can get on CD or DVD. It's a one-hour stand-up comedy special. You hear about bands that put out concert videos, or, or similarly, I wonder... For you, if when you're having a stand-up special filmed, do you feel different, or are you able to just do your normal show and block out the fact that it's being shot for video? No, you definitely know it's being shot. So it's, you know, just an extra layer of uh, nervousness there, because you basically just do one night and do two shows in one night, and you wear the same outfit each show, like the same T-shirt. <laughs> so you can mix and match. Like uh-huh. if you mess up a joke or you forget something or there's a technical problem, so... Um, but you know, th- th- that's the best part about it is just putting, it's almost like a band putting the whole album together and then you finally record it. Yeah. So, you know, with one thing with a comic is different, you know, a band puts an album together, they put it out that no one really heard it. The public hasn't heard it. So they don't know the feedback on it. Well, I'm getting feedback as I'm coming up with the material. So I'm working it over like a year or two, you know, working out in the clubs. I'm like, all right, this is going to work. This works, this works. So then by the time I record it, it's all ready. You know, a band doesn't know. They're like, I think this is going to be good. I hope the fans like it. You never know. Yeah, I think I was saying that on an interview to someone recently that uh, actually it was uh, Marty Dredd. He's a singer-songwriter in Hawaii. He's put out like 17 albums. And it's like, you can put out 17 albums, but every time you put out a new one, people are still like, well, let's see what this next one sounds like. You know, they don't just give you carte blanche. It's like, well, what what do they got this time? Yeah, no, absolutely, you know. You never know when it's going to be a dud or just a, people aren't going to respond to it. Yeah, band I'm a big like I'm a big like Foo Fighters uh, fan, and I like the first record. I wasn't crazy about, but I've like I've loved everyone since. And this latest one, I just can't get into it. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time since the you know, in probably 20 years that I just haven't really. I just it's just, ah, I don't yeah, like that it. Happens. That yeah. happens. Yeah. Uh, after you get off stage, you hang out in the lobby and you meet people. True story. Last year. Uh, came back from our honeymoon on a Friday, and the next night we came here to see you. I wonder... Um, did you guys come by and say hello? We did. We it did. sounds familiar. Yeah. But I wonder, do you get people that, like, oh, Bruce, you'd be amazed at the stories that I hear, or are people just kind of doing predictable stuff like, hey, love the show, I love you on this show or that show, and that's it? Yeah, it's not too crazy. I mean, you just get to have to deal with drunk people sometimes. <laughs> like there was this woman at... Uh, one of the shows last night, not the one you were at, and she was sitting in the front. She's like, oh, my God, you look just like my brother-in-law. And I'm like, okay, you know, it's a packed room. I'm like, all right. She goes, it's amazing how much you look like. I'm like, all right, what do you want me to do with that? <laughs> and she's like, it's just weird. It's so weird. I'm like, all right. And, and Can I take a picture? I go, do it, do what you want. i got to get back to my act. And then and then when I was doing the meet and greet afterwards, she was just like, you don't understand. She's showing me pictures of the guy. I go, okay. 
Oh, yeah. She's like, are you Irish? I'm like, hello. Oh, my God. Look. But no way. Look. And there's a line of people, right? And she's like, but look at this picture. You tell me you don't look like him. I go, oh, yeah, I do. I go, I don't know what to tell you. I'm not sure. But it was going on and on. And people like, hey, we got to get a picture. We got to get out of here. She's like, all right. And she's looking at me. I'm like, miss, I seriously, I don't know. I don't know what. Yeah. Where is this going to go? Do you want me to, you, you want to drive, you want to, drive to his house? There and, are people that look like other people. I yeah, can't I believe it. I know. It. <laughs> But yeah, so sometimes you get that. But I like meeting people after the show. It's just like you know, I like meeting band after the show, after at the merchandise booth or whatever, you know, and just saying hello, getting the picture. So I know when I listen to Jim's podcast, since I host one myself, I always wonder how and when and where he records. Right now, Jim and I are using external mics that are plugged into my Tascam DR44WL. This is nice and compact. So I didn't have to hold him up with a more elaborate setup, say, if I had wanted to use my Tascam Mini Studio Creator. If you listen to Now Hear This Entertainment regularly, you know that I do all the production on these shows through the Track Factory that Tascam put out earlier this year, which is basically an all-in-one recording solution right out of the box. Whether you're a musician, a podcaster, or even a comedian looking to record bits that you want to save, check out Tascam.com for their full line of microphones, headphones, audio interfaces, mixers, and other audio equipment. Jim, what about it? How, when, and where do you record your Comedy Metal Midgets podcast? Um, I, you know, I record in my home. I got a little Zoom recorder, and I just, I, it's just basically me on there. Mm-hmm. I just rant about different stuff, so it's easier because I don't, to book guests and stuff like that, and people canceling, and to put one out so i just decided it's gonna be easier if i just do it i could do it in my hotel room and i'm on the road wherever so i just always have the recorder with me gotcha, gotcha. and um yeah it works out well for me i just uh i don't like relying on other people as a comic as as you're doing it long enough you don't have to rely on anyone but yourself yeah. i get myself there so then when you have to rely on other people to show up and they're canceling you need a podcast because people when you release a podcast they want it that same day whatever day it is yep. every week you know, and they get mad if if I'm supposed to do it on Monday, it doesn't come out till Thursday. So you just got you got to be consistent with it. Do you go so far as to do the editing yourself and push it to iTunes yourself and all that? Um, yeah, no, my my I don't edit, but I have my uh, my nephew basically just takes it. He's a he's a tech guy, so I just send it over to him in a Dropbox, and then gotcha. he just posts it. But I don't edit. Well, you do some clever stuff on your podcast as it relates to to getting the listeners involved. They they send an awful Facebook post to you, vanity license plates that they saw, things like that. Do you react to those, you know, right as you're reading them on the podcast, or do you plan out ahead of time like what spin you're going to put on each one? Like jot down some notes to remember, you know, almost like you're writing a bit that you're going to do when once you record that. Um, I'll go through them first, and I'll say, God, I, I don't think I can come up with something there. And if I see an angle, I'm like, Yeah, I could definitely go after this one. I'll think of something. So I'll skim through them, and I'll pick out, like, 15 of them, and I'll just kind of riff on them. Sometimes I don't even get to the 15. Mm-hmm. So that's basically how I do it. I do a little, you know, um, prep work for it, but not much. Is that because you do want it to sound a little spontaneous at the same time? Yeah, I think so, yeah. And it's just like, hey, it's just a pot. You know, I'm just talking to a recorder, so, yeah. you know. I'm, you know, this is, it's no big deal. People know what they're getting, so <laughs> it doesn't have to be perfect. Jim, in thinking about the question, are your reactions to emails from listeners for the podcast pre-written or spontaneous? You also face the challenge, I think, of you know hecklers in the audience or or boisterous audience members. Although you you really kind of seek to engage the audience, anyways. But 
is your ability to have some back and forth with them did you have some improv training at some point and that's what kind of helped you or is it just no man you've been doing it as many years as i have and you just it's like a muscle that you flex and eventually you just get good at I it. i think because i started in like bars like sports bars and strip clubs and i had to deal with these maniacs they wouldn't shut the game off you know i'm in <laughs> philadelphia and the flyers and the playoff the tv's above my head and i'm telling jokes and they're like shut up you know and you're cheering and i think they like my joke and meanwhile they just scored so i was always in a battle i was always a, you know wow. and I'm working at strip clubs in between the dancers so i was always like yeah what what would you say boom let me go back at him so you're not always... kidding you really worked in strip clubs oh yeah 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 we used to go on like every at the top of the hour for like five minutes Wow. We'd have to do um, like like four times a night. Wow! Because every guy wants to go to a strip club and see a comedian instead of naked girls, right? No, I know. So yeah, it was tough. You know, and, uh, we got paid in lap dances and we got a few bucks. But so I, you know, and then opening for rock bands and stuff like that too. You just got to be able to, you know, what's going on? Someone says something, you have to come back. You know, because sometimes the audience will lose respect for you. Yeah, I saw that on your website, and I should have mentioned it in the intro that you have out, you have actually opened up for some pretty cool bands. Which, yeah. you know, for a comedian to open for a band, I think people don't expect that. No, um, yeah, Slayer, Megadeth, and Anthrax. I toured with those guys for like six weeks, and then uh, another Megadeth tour, one of the me- uh, Gigantor. Mm-hmm. I did one of those tours with them too for about a month. But yeah, it's not easy. It's 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 tough. But I like the challenge. You know, I'm like, I, I, you know, to go out there and, you know, because I, I, I'm that same guy in the crowd. So I know, like, I, I always hated that guy, the local DJ going on stage. Yeah. How you guys doing? You know, meanwhile, the, that that radio station, that town doesn't even play that music. <laughs> you know, the, you know, the rock station in New York would come out for a Judas Priest show. I go, you know, guys don't even play Judas Priest. So I'm like, get off the stage. So and like, hey, you're wasting time. You know what I mean? Like, the yeah. band could be on there. Why are you babbling? Nobody gives a shit what you're going to say. So I always went up there. I was like, hey, man, I'm going to tell you a few jokes. You know, Anthrax is coming out in about seven minutes. So I'm going to do about six minutes. I'm going to give them a soft intro, and then they're going to come out. You guys cool? Just tell a couple jokes. If you don't like it, just go get a beer, go to the bathroom, whatever it is. I got to do this stuff. And I just prep it like that. Yeah. So I'm like, and I'm telling them, I'm not taking any time away from the band. I don't want you to think that. Because I was always that guy in the crowd thinking that. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I'm just going to tell a few jokes, whatever. And they're coming out in a few minutes. Yeah, I saw um, a couple years ago uh, when Van Halen was doing the whole, you know, David Lee Roth is back. And I think it was Cool in the Gang that opened up for them. It's like, what a bizarre combination that is. Although, I think business-wise, they looked at it strategically like, well... They were both popular in the 80s at the same time, so we'll get the Cool in the Gang people that'll come out, we'll get the Van Halen people that come out, and we'll fill the place. I don't think, but the thing with Van Halen is they don't need an opening band. They could sell all the tickets. Yeah. I think they just like them. They're like, yeah, let's just get a band that's completely different, and everyone knows Cool in the Gang. I didn't see them. I saw them like three times on that tour. I never went in for Cool in the Gang, but people were like, they were pretty cool. <laughs> you know, we knew like four or five of their songs. It was yeah. a pretty good show. Yeah. You know, so... Um, yeah, but I yeah. saw them here in Tampa, and then uh, and then I you probably know better than me. I don't remember something happened in typical Van Halen style. David Lee Roth was gone, and they canceled the rest of the tour, and that was that. So a lot of people didn't get to see them at all. You saw them three times. Which was that? The two because they came back twice. Two thousand twelve. Okay, well, you know what? I think what happened with that they they didn't come to Tampa. They or? did. They did. Yeah. And they did the show here? Or they yep, did. Yep. Okay. You know what happened was they tried to do a second leg of the tour, come back to the same markets, and I think the tickets were a little soft. <laughs> you know, they, they, they couldn't get 20000 Again, like Guns N' Roses hit every market like three times already. <laughs> you know, but they're like, all right, well, there's still demand, so we'll come back around. So yeah. I think Van Halen tried to do that, and it's like, ah, it's not going to work. Yeah. 
you know, so. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is if you use or are thinking of using a tagline to promote yourself or your band as part of your efforts to get more bookings, please be original. There are too many slogans out there that far too many others have used and reused over and over across a number of industries, mind you, and they're just plain tired and ready to be put to bed. Do not use something like, you've heard the rest, now hear the best, or you've booked the rest, now book the best. Similarly, don't use, got music, yuck. Or one more to avoid is, friends don't let friends book bad bands. Those are old, they're tired, they're dumb. Be original. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. How about that? Helpful? There are a whole bunch of tips just like that over all the prior episodes of this show. To make it easy for the listeners out there who are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers to get the tips in one concise format, there is a Bruce's Bonus Book Volume 1, Volume 2, and Volume 3 for purchase in ebook format, giving you all the tips from episodes 1 to 40, 41 to 80, and 81 to 120, respectively. Just go to www.brucesbonusbook.com for online ordering and instant delivery. Back on episode 78 of this show, my guest was comedian Mike E. Winfield. Listeners, go back and check that one out if you never heard that interview. I, I don't know that I really asked him this, Jim. I'm I'm curious, you know, for a songwriter, it seems like they always have their radar up for inspiration for a song idea. And I wonder for a comedian, is it the same or is it not? I only start writing new stuff when I want to overhaul my show and come up with different bits to really change up my act. You're always working on new stuff. You're jotting down ideas and, you know, I'll go to like a little club on a Tuesday night in front of 10 people and try new jokes out. Really? Record it. Oh, yeah. Always. Yeah. I love that process of building a set, you know, just trying recording them and listening back the next day. Ah, I said that wrong. Maybe I should add this or that or whatever. So, um, so I'm always like taking all the stuff out and putting new and stuff in or so, you know, but I, I, I like doing that. It's a challenge. I don't like doing the same set every night. Mm-hmm. Like I'll do it like probably 80% if I'm, cause I'm working on a new set right now. So, but I, that's why I like going in the crowd. You never know what's going to happen. I can get a lot of material sometimes out of the crowd. I could put in my act. Because you never know the craziness that goes. That's uh, going for on example, there. I don't know, like a bit or something like that. Somebody will say, you know, like I'm, we're going back and forth or something. So, um, but I like that because you never know. You're going into like enemy territory. Like, you know, <laughs> it, could, it, it might not go well. Yeah, you, you have this bit now that you're doing about Steve that you were doing last yeah, night. Yeah, 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 yeah. And again, yeah, and the guy that was you were at that show, right? And the guy's name was Steve in the front. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Which is funny, yeah. Yeah, him and his girl were together for, what was it, three months, I think? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I talked to them afterwards. That and, was funny. And you mentioned that your son is is Luke, but he told he said his name is Steve. Yeah, well, I always call him Steve just to bust his balls. Yeah. I call him by the wrong name, so and it drives him nuts, so I always do that. So then he got me back on a, a thing where he said, my name's Steve, what are you talking about? So, yeah. 
It's a running gag between us. But that's cool that you're able to implement an experience like that from your son into your app. Oh, absolutely. I know. It's great. It's like uh, I know on one of your podcasts. and So, I mean, everything must be fair game to you. Because I heard one of your podcasts, you were talking about going on a plane and the person realized who you were and the guy just wanted to talk your ear off the whole flight yeah. about all things Jim Florentine. And you're like, look, buddy, I'm just trying to fly home here. Well, no, it was more and it, no, it was more about comedy. He pretended he didn't know who I was. And he's like, you, you know, something. Oh, yeah, about, and yeah, he was yeah. asking a million yeah. questions about comedy. He's like, I, uh, I feel like I owe you a joke because you've given me so many jokes over the years. I feel like I owe you one. I'm like, no, dude, it's fine. He goes, no, no, I feel like it. I'm like, where is this? This is weird. And you, you know. can't go anywhere because you're no, on an airplane. No, I know. Yeah. You're stuck next to this dude who thinks yeah. that he's going to open for you the next Jim Florentine show. Yeah, so I usually just have, like, you know, noise-canceling headphones on. I'm listening to music, and I just, you know, sit down mind my own business. I don't really, uh, you know, I'm not really too chatty about, you know, where you grew up and all that other stuff. <laughs> you know, Do you get, uh, aren't you Jim Florentine, and do you have some kind of comeback where you say, no, I'm not? Um, sometimes people are like, how do I know your voice? Like, I'll be talking, like, how do wait, I know your voice. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, actually, I, you talk for a second. And then they go, what do you, what? I go, I know your voice. <laughs> how do I know your voice? And like, no, no, I know what you, you, how do I, I go, I work at the drive through at Burger King. I go, maybe that's why. And they're like, no, no, no. I go, no, I worked at it because you probably came through. I've been there for a long time. The guy's like, no, man, no, it's not from there. I go, well, I don't know what house you know it. He's like, no. I go, you sure? And he goes, I don't even eat Burger King. No, it wouldn't be. I'm like, well, I used to work at Wendy's, too. I don't know if you go there. I mean, <laughs> and it's a whole thing. And then eventually, I'll t- well, sometimes I'd be like, I just, how do I know it? Because some people do it. It's like a passive aggressive thing. They'll pretend they don't know you. And, you know, like, how do I know you? And then you have to go, I work. Like, I'm not giving you my credits. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, I work on a TV show. Oh, what you do? Uh, wait, wait, what's that show? Yeah, I think I heard of it. I think so. Meanwhile, they know what it is, yeah. you know. So I've been around those people before doing that stuff. So I just, uh, you know. Yeah, you either have fun with it or, like you said, you put on the noise-canceling headphones and you go forget it. Yeah, I just, just, but I'm not a dick or anything. I'm just like, hey, how are you? And that's it, you know. Yeah. Everyone, there's not too many chatty people on a plane anymore. Everyone's just, everyone's got their own little iPads and they're watching movies or doing their other shit. So everyone's pretty busy in their own little world, which is good. I need to get on the flights that you're on because I've, I've, I feel the opposite. It seems like everybody wants to know your life story. It's like, really, we're not going to see each other again in 90 huh. minutes after we get off this plane. So I just take a window seat and I don't get up the whole flight i'm just doing my own thing over there i don't, I don't have to, excuse me you know you have to go to the bathroom I don't, i'm not in an aisle where i gotta get up and yeah. all that stuff so i am on location here in tampa florida with comedian jim florentine check out his official website at jimflorentine.com there are links there for jim on facebook and instagram as well as for his official youtube channel on jimflorentine.com, there are links so you can purchase the A Simple Man CD or DVD. His tour dates are there. Rochester, New York, December 28th to 30th. Saratoga Springs, New York, January 11th to the 13th. February dates in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, and back down here in Florida. The Comedy Metal Midgets podcast, there are links on his website for that too. And his new book, which we will talk about here in a minute, called Everybody is Awful Except You, can be pre-ordered. It will come out in February. For this show, my podcast, Now Hear This Entertainment, drop me a note to say hello and where you are, 
And whether episode 200 was your first time with NHTE or if you are a regular, the email address is podcast at nhte.net. I'd love to hear from you, honestly. Jim, I was asking about the development of new material for a comedian. Does copywriting go on the way that it does for a song? Because I've always wondered, how does a guy write a bit somewhere and not know or later find out that someone else is doing a bit really similar somewhere else? And then how do you know who came up with it first? You don't know. That's a There's a weird gray area. That you really can't sue because it's all like, you know, anybody can come up with a bit about anything pretty much, so... But you've had a long career in this. Have you ever had anyone challenge you and be like, hey, man, I heard you're doing a bit about so, such and such. So well, am I. Yeah, they're like, you know, it could be something similar. I'm like, all right, well, you know, no big deal. We'll have to, you know, I, I won't do it if I'm on the same show with you or whatever. But I go, oh, I didn't take it from you. You know, it's, uh, you know, it, it, whatever the, the subject is, if it's something in the news, people might have, a, you know, pretty much the same take on yeah. it. You know, so the jokes are going to be similar. I'm smiling because you had some, speaking of being in the news, you had some fun with Kevin Spacey last night. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, that's <laughs> and perfect. you were counting, like, and you were counting. Yeah, yeah, that I was know. cool. Because usually you can only do one joke, like about a guy, like as a punchline as a Kevin Spacey. You can only, it only gets one laugh, and that's it. You try to go back to the well, it's like, ah, that didn't work. You already shocked me with that joke. But I kept doing and they kept doing it, so... Yeah. So was that kind of an inside joke that that you were saying out loud? Wow, that's three. Was yeah, it, well, I did it. Like, I, I only yourself? did it. I was like the third time I did that. I think I just started on Thursday. I'm like, let me see where this goes. So I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to keep trying. Yeah, and see what happens. Let's uh, let's let's go ahead and talk about everybody is awful except you, which which is a great title, by the way. It's it's very Jim Florentine esque. What 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 will that book be? It's basically the, my, like my podcast transcribed into a book. Ah. Yeah, me making fun of people's Facebook posts and uh-huh. basically social media. Just, you know, destroying social media and the <laughs> nonsense that it is. But it's a necessary evil, isn't it? It is, but it's just, you know, it gets a little too much. People, you know, constantly posting and looking for admiration and attention and everything else. Yeah, like last night you were asking that couple... Did you did you check in? Did you do a check in on this post? Yeah, yeah. And that's and you were saying you don't need to be doing that. No, yeah, my like I because I got an older brother and he's like he is he's on our Facebook and his wife is and they go to concert. He goes, don't post anything that we're at this concert. I don't need to hear any shit from anyone. Why they didn't get invited to? You know, he goes, I, I'm sick of that. You know, these guys that I don't know, like oh, Oda went. You know, all that stuff. He goes, so don't do it tomorrow, and then I don't I don't have to. You know, uh, I'm not going to be on my phone the rest of the night saying, dude, sorry, I didn't know you were around. It's yeah. like, why am I doing this? Well, and you also I made the I good know. point about safety. What's that? Well, safety, too, Someone yeah. can go and rob your house. Or... Yeah. No, I mean, absolutely. They could, you know, they could do that, too. But people just, you know. Or that you run the risk of the person shows up and says, hey, I'm going to go over to Chili's because I see that Diane well, is over there. I'm going to go see Diane. No, I remember when we were out in um, L.A. doing that metal show. Early on, we went to Amoeba, Amoeba Music, the record store there. And Eddie put out, like on Facebook or Twitter or something like that, We're in Ame- I'm in Amo- Amoeba uh, Records right now. This place is amazing. Within 10 minutes, there was like 30 guys there Whoa. that were fans of that metal show. Wow. And they're all in there. And then um, I'm like, dude, I go, you can't do that when you leave. You can't do that there because we were in there for like an hour, me, Don, and Eddie. Wow. And then all these guys came in like, oh, my God, holy shit, they're here, you know. He's like, oh, yeah, I got to think about that next time. Yeah, had a great time at yeah. after you leave. I just left Amoeba Music. It was great. Yeah. I mentioned your son before. He's he's getting into music. I believe he plays the drums. 
Yeah, drums, he sings. So between that and your having been on the metal show, I have to ask, what what does your music background consist of? Did you none? Nothing? No, I have no talent at all. And uh, <laughs> getting uh, getting your son and comedy, into the drums. And comedy and music. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just don't have an ear for music. I tried. All my friends were in bands growing up. I saw them getting girls. I'm like, that's what I want to do. They had all these girls just hanging around like a warehouse. These hot chicks just watching them practice. I'm like, damn, that's what I want to do. And uh, but I just didn't have the ear for it. So then I started DJing. I like I was always I always liked music. So I started uh-huh. DJing in a rock club and on the radio, and then I morphed into comedy. I was just gonna say, how how does how do you go from doing that into what what was kind of the thing that triggered I want to go into I, comedy? Even before I was doing comedy, I saw like Andrew Dice Clay and Kinnison come out. Dice had the leather jacket on, like a rock star. Kinnison's you know playing with a band and all that shit. That's when I was like, man, that's what I want to do. And uh, did you do something deliberate to to try to launch yourself into comedy, or did you just kind of start going to open? No, I just started going. It took me a while because I wasn't good at public speaking. I was like, I was petrified up there. But I'm like, all right, I was just writing jokes. I'm like, all right, eventually I just got to go up there and just wing it and see what happens. Is there anything that that makes you nervous these days? T- TV, stand up, movies, anything? No, not really. You're really comfortable in front of it all of it. No. What? Being around my ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, not really. You just, you know, you're used to it, so you just block it out, you know? Mm-hmm. You're like, well, whatever. You know, because you go in front of strangers every night, you know how it's going to go. Yeah. They're all judging you of every joke, and at the end of the night, they're like, eh, it wasn't that good, or it was, you know, you don't know, so. But do you do you get the opportunity to get any kind of feedback that you could really use of people saying like yeah i thought it was a good show and you go oh, what do you mean you sound tentative oh, i you know wasn't crazy about xyz or, or not really not really i mean some people are like you know eh, you're a little off tonight or whatever some some people are just rude about it, but i don't care i'm like yeah whatever it's not if people walk out you know they're not they don't like the comedy i'm like i'm not going to take it you know personally it's yeah. you know comedy subjective it's not gonna it's not for everybody yeah so if they don't get it i understand so you can tell from the stage, basically, that's like that's your feedback is, is from yeah, the stage. Yeah, absolutely. It's instant yeah. feedback, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, perhaps people email you because you give out the address on your podcast, or, or are they just emailing you about the podcast? Just pretty much about the podcast, but they'll email me about other stuff, you know, that, uh, you know, just like a mailing list or some shit like that. But um, it's mostly just about podcast stuff. They like to participate. Mm-hmm. Well, you were mentioning before about um, people think they recognize your voice. So, so getting back to the because I, I was a big Crank Anchors fan, and I always thought it was cool that you could pull off the Bobby Fletcher character without having to get into character because it's your voice. Yeah. But then special ed, you know, society is is so darn sensitive to seemingly everything. And I think you started to mention this on the stage last night. Comedians seem like they can get away with just about anything under the disclaimer of "Oh, come on, lighten up! I'm just doing a little comedy here," like special ed. Well, I don't think Special Ed could have came out today. Right. This was in 2002. Yeah. And even then, they still try to hide. I'm like, usually when a new TV show comes out, they'll send the press, like, the first, like, three episodes to review. Uh And they put him in the fourth episode. They were afraid (laughs) that somebody might call him out, like, hey, what's going on here? So they stuck him in the fourth episode. Wow. Um, But, no, people just liked it. It was a lovable character. But, yeah, I mean, today, who knows? But you, you can always get away with a puppet. A puppet always gets away with more stuff, so you never know. Wow, you know. Wow, yeah, but like, I don't. Yeah, I don't. But probably wouldn't have worked then. Now, but whatever. We did it back then, and I, I don't regret it. And it was fun. People loved it. The, uh, I never really got any flack from it. 
That, well, but uh, was it was the mechanics of that? Would would you hang up and call people back and say, "Hey, just so you know, this is what that was. We need your permission." To, yeah, to the Comedy that? Central would do that. They would um, they'd have people that call the people back said, "Hey, yeah. you want to be on a show? It's a prank call and all that stuff." <laughs> Did it amaze you how gullible these people were? Yeah, absolutely. We um, at first we'd call people like in New York, and they have such a short temper, they would just hang up. Right, <laughs> they don't want to, no nonsense. So we need them to stay on the phones, so and then we'd start calling like in the Deep South where. They'd be a little more patient so we can really get under their skin and get it going. Because New York, they'd hang up in two seconds. Like, I'm not dealing with this shit. <laughs> did it, did the, the more popular the show became, did it become tougher and tougher to pull those off? Or is yeah, because it- some people go, like, is this that show Crank Anchors? Wow. Is that, I get- wow. Yeah, so then we'd have to, you know, just, all right, that's going to happen. So let's try to, you know, go in like real, like in the deep south, like Georgia and stuff like that. And yeah. Alabama, where they definitely don't know the show. <laughs> well, uh, I, I I have to ask, is is there something that you can point to that was that has been you know a career highlight for you because you've done so much? I mean, between that metal show, between the comedy, between probably coming to Side Splitters in Tampa, of course, you know, in the comedy of course. Club right I should now. have said other you know than I mean? performing at Side Splitters in Tampa. <laughs> um, probably you know getting on Howard Stern show um, back in what was it two thousand one. Because, you know, the show was so big at that point and all, yeah. all, all these big markets and um, getting on there as a comic and then sitting in for a few days and plugging your gigs and your career just takes off from there. And that's how I got the Crank Angers gig. I got pretty much everything from being on that show. Wow. wow. That's the pull it had. Wow. So that was amazing. And I was a huge Stern fan growing up. I listened to him all the yeah. time. So to be in there and he's he's digging my comedy. I was like, that, that was like the Tonight Show for me, like doing the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Yeah, yeah. So was there... Some initial nervousness walking in the first time and meeting Howard and saying, oh, my oh, gosh, I'm going to yeah, do a show. Absolutely, yeah. Man, yeah. I've seen him. I'm like, oh, man, I can't believe I'm in the room with him. I'm like, all right, whatever. He's just a dude. you know. And I knew the show, so I'm like, you just go in there and you you bust balls, and that's pretty much a show. So yeah. I fit right in right from the beginning. Yeah, I was going to say, which was right up your alley. Yeah, that's... but it was, it was definitely nerve-wracking because you don't know. This is basically your audition. Yeah. If he doesn't like you, you're never on the show again. Yeah. So, But it worked out. It was great. And is there, uh, I don't want to say an open door, but can you go back on the Stern Show, yeah. quote unquote, whenever you want? Well, I mean, you know, he's on less and less. You know, he's on like three days a week. So you pick your spots when something big comes out. Like when the book comes out, mm-hmm. I'll try to go back on. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go on just to plug a gig because there's not a lot of slots left for that, you yeah. know, because it's only on three days a week. So, but a big thing like a book or a movie. That's when they go, okay, you know, that's something we'll help you promote. What about uh, Jimmy Kimmel? Obviously, you worked with him on Crank Anchors. Is 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 that relationship tight? Uh, yeah. That- yeah, we're still, um, I haven't talked to him probably in like four or five years. But, yeah, I can email him and my publicist. I was on probably about, I guess, about four years ago was the last time I, I went on. But he, him, him, too, was like, if you got something big coming out, he goes like, you know, because his show's big, too, now. Before, when he first came on, no, there was no guests. He couldn't get anybody. I was on, like, the three times the first year. Wow. Um, so I just know I pick my spots with that, too. Yeah. I'm not going to go, on, Jimmy, I got, you know, a, a big casino gig in Atlanta City. Can I come on? <laughs> you know. But a book, a real book, and, you know, a real publisher will probably have me on. Yeah, so. well, and, you know, the Atlantic City reference so what? It's a regional gig. Like, good, the people in Atlantic City will go, but the rest of the country is going, what am I going to do with that? Regular radio does more than those late-night talk shows anyway. If I plugged in, I'm on one of those late-night talk shows at a, you know, the Funny Bone in St. Louis. I'm going to get maybe 10 people over the course oh, of the right. weekend. But but the book, though, you want to be on Jimmy Kimmel for the yeah, book. Yeah, the book, yeah. I think the book will, the book probably will do. But as far as, like, he'll be at the Funny Bone this weekend. 
that works on like local radio. Gotcha. Like gotcha. in this in this market, Cal, my Calta's on. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I went on that Friday morning. It's all a bunch of tickets. That's where it really works when uh-huh. you got a big audience in uh-huh. the morning radio. So this tour that that you're doing now, and and you've got a bunch of dates that were given to the listeners, but uh, is are, are you quote unquote always on tour, or do you kind of feel like? I go for a certain amount of time, and then maybe you rework your act, or what? What? No, because you're always just doing it, and because you do like an 18 month rotation when you come to town, mm-hmm. you know, to city. So you're always just working on other stuff, and you know, maybe the same people don't come back to see you to, when you come back around, or you just, you know, you're always changing jokes out, putting them in, putting them out. Half the time they don't remember them if you did them last time. So, <laughs> um, but no, I always kind of do like two weekends a month. But then there's the flip side of that. People may not might not remember the jokes, but what about the people that know your stuff so well that they go, hey, man, are you going to do such and such? Or, hey, man, why didn't you do such well, and such? Well, usually as a comic, they don't want to hear the joke again, mm-hmm. unlike a band. Well, but I'm thinking that you know there might still be people that say, you know, do something from terrorizing telemarketers or do something from crank anchors. And you go, oh, you know what? Maybe, sometimes I will, but uh, as far as like old bits, it's really... You know, like Dice gets that. You know, he's almost like a classic rock act where they want to hear his poems that yeah. he did, you yeah. know, 25 years ago. But um, as a comic, they don't really go, remember that bit you did about the Jiffy Lube? Do that again. You know, it's like, <laughs> people, I don't know, for for bands, they they want to, you know, they want just the songs that they know. Yeah. But for comic comics, it's different. But I like doing that. That's the challenge of it. I'd be bored if I did the same set for 10 straight years. Yeah. Well, and for a band... Let's face it; they want them to go buy their records. So with you, it's like, well, well what am I going to do that bit for again? You know, yeah. it's not, it, I never released it on a CD or a DVD. Right. So how's that going to help me tonight? Yeah, true. Keep me as a fan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the podcast, are you going to just keep doing that indefinitely? Yeah, it's fun. Like, you know, a lot of people listen to what they dig it, so it's great. Yeah, yeah, and it's easy. You just do you know forty five minutes to an hour a week. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, no, I've been doing it since two thousand eleven. So. Do you, out of all the things that you do, is is I'm a podcaster on that list? Yeah, definitely on there, yeah. The podcast world is getting bigger and bigger. It took a while to really catch on, but now. Adam Carolla, he's got a he's got a huge podcast. No, I know. It was more of like the the West Coast. People were into it before the East Coast. All my friends in, in New Jersey are like, what's a podcast? Is gonna, do, do I need like an iPod? I'm like. Forget it. <laughs> you know, they're still trying to come around to it. But um, the West Coast, everyone listens to podcasts. They're all stuck in traffic for f- three hours a day. So, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, so uh, for some reason, they're bigger over there. But they're starting to catch on. Everyone, people are really getting into them. So it's good. Uh, we're almost out of time. But uh, off the air, listeners, uh, Jim and I were talking about today's football games. Obviously, this podcast is not being released until December 6th. But I know you actually did a podcast before the season started kind of giving your thoughts on what the NFL season was going to look like. Thoughts on what this NFL season has looked like and, and maybe where it's going to end up? The NFL's in trouble. These games, I mean, the game we were talking about before that we watched today, I mean, I think there was like 32 penalties every play. It's marginal if it was a penalty or not. You know, it's just they're boring. And, you know, with all the stuff going on and the games being expensive and people doing other stuff and – all the you know the politics and football and you know the hits to the head and shit like that. It's it's um, but the game is just super boring and slow. And I don't think like the millennials that are coming up now, they they never they didn't, they don't like football. Mm. The the nerds that were in the fantasy football, they're getting older now. They got families. They used to have nothing going on, so they 
they were watching it for the fan. Now they get you know they got shit going on, so they might play in a league, but they don't really watch the games. They don't show up at the sports bar with their little tablets and laptops checking stats. So you're losing them, and then the older generation is getting fed up with the game because you know you touch somebody yeah. with your pinky, it's a 15 yard penalty yeah. and all this other stuff. So I don't know. They got that. I don't know what's what. They, and you know, it's it's too it's oversaturated. A lot of players are down, big stars, and the games the games suck. The, what game, the, I'm a Miami Dolphin fan. At least five games this year, just like it's torture to watch for three hours. It's just a complete waste of time. Well, and I think the thing that surprised me is that. You know, the NFL is positioned as this massive corporation that just has a license to print money, yet they still have franchises that are relocating. You know, we've seen the, the Chargers moved, the Rams moved, uh, the Raiders are going to move yeah. to Las Vegas, of all places. Yeah, I know, I know. I mean, well, they just hold the cities hostage. They go, look, if you don't give us, we're not, you have to give us all the money or we're leaving. We're not putting any money in at all. You know, or you know, or we're, we're just going to move to another city, so they hold them hostage. Yeah. And some cities like, no, go. It's ten games a year, eight regular season, eight yeah. regular season, and two preseason. Fuck you, we don't need you. Do you get flack from people back home that you're not a Jets or a Giants fan? N- nobody really cares. I mean, the Jets have have, have sucked so long that it doesn't even <laughs> matter. I went to the Jet Miami game this year, and you know, my son's wearing a Miami jersey. My son, my brother is, and nobody even says anything before they want to wow. fight. Yeah. yeah, nobody cares. New England's dominated the division for so long that the Jet Miami and Buffalo fans are like, yeah, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I know. We just, you know, we're never going to get past New England until Brady retires and Belichick is gone. So yeah. it's not too much anymore. And the Giants, they stink this year. Yeah. Then uh. They're not doing too well. They had a nice run. They won two Super Bowls. You know. Yeah, but uh, looks like Eli's at the end of his career. Yeah, well, you know, look, it's I'm a, a giant fan of baseball, and they won. Yeah, they did win four Super Bowls, but two with Eli. <laughs> but I, I'm a I'm a giant fan of baseball, the San Francisco Giants, and they had a great run. They won three World Series in five or six years, and now they're going to suck for ten years. But I don't care. I'll take those three World Series. They overpaid everybody. They won some games, <laughs> and now you're paying for it. They got no farm system. They got all these old players that get injured. So they're going to suck for a long time, but I'll take those three World Series. There you go. Well, listeners uh... – when you check out Jim's website, you'll see there's a video on the homepage. Uh, we're going to wrap this up. This is the milestone 200th episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. I would get a cake to celebrate it, but you have a bit on your website. There's a video of your take on oh, yeah. on cake, and I just it's like totally changed my perspective now on things. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, you know when uh, there's a couple guys out to dinner, and a woman's like, uh, "You want any dessert?" I'm like, "No, no we're grownups," <laughs> you know. I'll have dessert maybe at a, a kid's party or something like that. You know, did you save any room for some cake? I'm like, no. I don't know how much room I had to save, you know. You know, I'm, I'm drinking, yeah, I'm drinking booze. I don't want to mix it with chocolate icing, you know. Well, Jim, thanks ever so much. For, yeah, yeah, <laughs> really enjoyed yeah. it. Thank you, and uh, continued best wishes from one podcaster to another with, with Comedy Metal Midgets. I appreciate that. And, uh, and best of luck with, with the book. It comes out in February. Yeah, thanks, man. Listeners, that will do it for our Milestone 200th episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. Huge thanks to Jim Florentine. Check out all the stuff he has going on. Start at jimflorentine.com and then like his Facebook page. Follow him on Instagram. 
subscribe to his YouTube channel, and then watch and like the videos on there. For that matter, you tell him you heard him on Now Hear This Entertainment. His list of tour dates is on jimflorentine.com, as is the ability to purchase the A Simple Man CD or DVD. And of course, pre-order his new book, Everybody is Awful Except You. Lots of other merchandise for sale at jimflorentine.com too, by the way. And be sure to check out his great podcast, Comedy Metal Midgets. One more time on the email address to write into this show, I would love to hear from you at podcast at nhte.net. Suggestions, questions, comments, when, where, and how you listen to the show, drop me a line. Thank you ever so much for listening both to episode 200 as well as in general. I'm really grateful to everyone. We have mentioned Jim's A Simple Man CD or DVD a few times. So we are going to close episode 200 with a bit from the A Simple Man CD slash DVD. Everywhere I go, I got a problem. I, ju- I go to my bank the other day, right? I've been there 10 years. I just put, I'm just trying to cash a check. I put my license in the check in the counter. A woman's like, uh, you have a debit card? No. Uh, you might want to get one. I'm good. Well, you could use it to write down a vacation if you have one. I go, oh, really? Okay, good. So when I get on a plane on Monday, I could just show my debit card to get on a plane. <laughs> No? Okay. Oh, okay. I, I misunderstood you. <laughs> if I get pulled over by a cop, I could just show my debit card, right? That's... <laughs> no? I go... You know what? Actually, my nephew's 20. He wants to go drink in a bar, so I'll just get my debit card so he can go drink. <laughs> it's like, you're being unreasonable. I go, you started this shit, okay? <laughs> Where can I use this for identification? You're like, well, in here. I go, that's it. <laughs> well, you wouldn't have to take your license out of your wallet. I go, wasn't that fucking tough? <laughs> It slipped right out. Did I tell you to grab one end, me grab the other, and we fucking yank it out? Is that what's going on? I don't think so.